boy. We'll talk about everything exciting in the horticulture world. We might talk about a few other things too, but that's where we're going to start. Landscape Alaska is our nursery and landscaping business. We're located on the Back Loop Road. We've been moving around many places in Juneau for many, many years, and we finally bought a house where it's legal to have our business, and we are open on the weekends now. So I'll be there today, and I'll be there tomorrow. It's 11029 Back Loop Road. If you look on our website, landscapealaska.com, you'll find an interactive map that will take you there. We are a private driveway going way up the hill. The city won't let us put a sign on the road, so you have to to uh, look at our little sign by the mailbox and know where we are. We're between Goat Hill Road and Spring Way. If you get lost, g- give me a call. <coughs> Hi, Mark. Hey, and the, the nursery is beautiful right now, Dave. It All absolutely is. The people have been flooding in this year, and everybody is astounded. So many people saying it's the first time they've ever been there. The people we know, most of them, but first time they've ever been there, they've been to our other nurseries didn't know where we went and they come and look and look around and they go I had no idea what a beautiful site this was what a view yeah well it is beautiful it certainly is and the stuff in the nursery has never looked prettier it's it's just lovely and all those perennials that you kept over the winter are just booming up you mean the ones you told me just to throw them away those? No, not those. <laughs> they look like hell. <laughs> the ones, the ones that you said, oh, that's too much work. And no, I was, I was really right about those. I think yeah, right. It's, it's the other ones. So, and, and among those are uh, Margaret just brought up from our other greenhouse. She brought up all these beautiful bleeding hearts that are just huge. They are. They're they big. are. They're in uh, three to five gallon cans, and they're eighteen to thirty inches tall, and they just look like they're growing. Well, they're day and night. This is the s- their second year in their can. We planted them last year, and uh, they were nice big roots then. So uh, they're going to be nice big plants this year. So they're really pretty. They're One really of our clients pretty. has a bleeding heart in her front yard that gets chest high to me and five feet across. It's just huge. Good morning, conversations. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, we're having trouble with our phones here. Uh, call us back in a couple minutes when we get it figured out, okay? Thanks. Okay, so uh, I'll be there after 10 o'clock, certainly this morning. And we have seed potatoes. Not a whole lot of them, and they're going to be gone today. So if you want some, give me a call. You can have up to five potatoes. Anyway, the weather's beautiful. I'm out working in the landscape, taking care of properties. And uh, I have a great crew. And, you know, I, I always feel guilty when I get into bed at night, except I'm so tired I just can't wait. But uh, there's a lot of work going on out there. Yeah, Marg and I switched hats a few years ago. So I'm the nursery, and she's the landscape. And she's got her crew doing all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And it sounds like we're going to have quite a bit of work this year, which I'm really thrilled with. Absolutely. And our... Uh, the shipments are coming in now. So we just received bare root astilbes. And we'll Those have Those are mostly it. spoken for, Dave, so I don't think you ought to start advertising them because <coughs> I have <coughs> several <coughs> jobs f- all ready for them, <coughs> and they, were, they are mine. Oh, okay. All of them? Well, let me do my jobs, and what's left over you can have. I have, I have about 100 of them that we planted last year. 
that are coming up now. Yes, we so have some nice potted estates. Uh, they look, they're looking great. I'm not, be, I'm not short. And the, you know what else is coming up are those Asiatic lilies that we planted last year. Yeah. And there's maybe 100 pots of those, too. And they look groovy. If you've never grown lilies here, lilies love it in southeast Alaska. And they really multiply. They do. And they bloom kind of mid-summer, mid to late summer. So after the spring rush is over, and you can plant them with the astilbe because they flower about the same time. You plant the lilies right under the astilbe plants. And that way the flowers for the lilies sit right above where the flowers for the astilbe are. Very so, cool. So uh, we need to work on lawns. Here we go. Good morning, Conversations. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Martha. I enjoy listening to your program over Saturday morning. Well, Thanks. thank you. Uh, my question for you this morning is uh, I've got... Uh, bulbs coming up in my gardens right now and I've noticed uh, a couple of uh, groups um, the bulbs been uh, cut just below the head and the bulbs are gone I want to know is that two-legged animal or four-legged animal that are cutting my uh, tulip bulb you know uh, I, are they taking the tulips flowers also uh, and a couple of them the, the small bulbs have been left but the other ones are gone uh-huh. It's either deer or ravens. <coughs> ravens really like uh, tulips. <laughs> We've seen them do that. We've seen ravens fly down and walk through a bed of tulips just snipping the tops off. But uh, I've had some of my bulbs dug up also, and I can't really tell you. There are some rabbits. It could be rabbits. There are uh, rabbits around in the, our neighborhoods. Uh, I've, I've, I haven't seen rabbits, but I, I saw a couple of deer in our neighborhood. Well, uh, it could be lot. them, you we know. Could. They're certainly out and eating a lot right now. Okay, well, thank Th you very much. That's the answer. best I can think of. But um, I hope the rest of your bulbs get to bloom and be beautiful for you. Yeah, thank you very much. You bet. Thanks okay. for calling. Okay, later. And yes, they are coming up. And someone called me up and said that the tulips you planted around the Capitol building are in full bloom. Oh, good. So if we get a chance to drive by, do so. Yeah. Nothing like having big spring flowers. Speaking of spring flowers, have you seen the accolade cherries flowering all over town? Yes, they're beautiful. Yes, the ones at the, the Valley Library. And uh, there are ones at both entrances to the university. There's a bunch downtown. Up in the Highlands, there's a huge one at MK's house. And... Then uh, by the stairs going from Calhoun down to Fireweed Place, mm -hmm. there's an enormous one there we planted for the uh, Ur Juno Urban Forestry Foundation. Okay. So um, what's the most exciting horticultural thing you learned this week, Dave? Do you have one? The most exciting horticultural thing I learned this week is that there is some kind of a nematode that will target the lilac leaf miner. Oh, good. I just haven't found where to get them. But, All right. Uh, All right. So they would, they would, so they would target the larval stage that's in the leaf litter and the soil litter before it, it uh, gets up into the plant. Great. That's that pretty exciting. That is really exciting. That's okay. right. And the other thing I found that was really exciting was those bobo hydrangeas that only get three feet tall and flower with all that abundant white flower. I, 
I have you have to get the crew to make a bunch of soil because I want to put uh, those hydrangeas in hanging baskets. Okay. You know, we're on it. They're gonna they'll live through the winter in a hanging basket, and I have some really big hanging baskets. We'll do it. You know, and and, and they will bloom all the way until October without any problem and live over the winter and mm-hmm. do live it again the, the next year I yeah think i'm into it i think uh redesigning the concept of a hanging basket is definitely in my future because you know they're beautiful i love them not it's not going to be for everyone but for people who only want to buy a few fillers to put in you put something like those dwarf hydrangeas in and keep them pruned to be the right size you can have the same basket year after year and that's exciting to me absolutely thrills me too now i really want one of those uh battery powered lawnmowers it's only 19 inches wide for all those difficult narrow spaces so i don't have to use a weed eater yeah i would use that and it's it's quiet that would be great i really want to go look at that okay let's do that and if you got a chance to see my lecture on new and exciting horticultural things that we zoomed out for the Master Gardener Garden Conference, which was a fun event. I showed pictures of this little chainsaw, a little one-handed chainsaw that's battery-powered, that's meant to, you could hang on a branch, reach out and prune the tree with this little tiny chainsaw. So cool. Mm-hmm. So right. you, you, uh, you gave it to Mateus to use the other day. He liked it, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, having good tools makes any job so much better you know like we we really need to upgrade a bunch of our tools we've been doing this a long time and they've gotten they've been they've been used they've been pretty abused Uh so uh let's get ready you know that rubber paddle thing that you use to get the gravel out of the lawns yep that's really a useful tool yeah it really really is it's gravel in the lawns at the bank is just horrendous absolutely much of it so you know what else came in this week that people are going to really be excited about are the uh, new Canadian roses. I am really excited about them. And I, Randy, you have to come and make pots for me. I need some big boxes for the tree hydrangeas and for my roses that I want to keep. And I want to put them in a box and keep them in a box. So call me up. Let's make a date. She's talking to Randy Hulse at H&H Construction, who's our favorite carpenter and builder he builds everything builds it quickly builds it accurately and builds it friendly oh it's aesthetically always pleasing works great Uh uh-huh so uh what the new roses i'm talking about we got about uh, a dozen of them still because a bunch went away yesterday they're a double bright but dark red it's and a bright and dark color, which and is they're unusual. A, an entirely new kind of rose, developed by the Canadians for the harsher climate areas. They're gonna they're gonna live up in Alberta, so they're gonna do really well here. I'm excited about them. You know, having a, yet another hardy rose that is dark, bright red sounds exciting. I'm gonna put some of those in baskets too. And, and they look they don't look like Sitka roses. They look like the, the regular kind of uh, rose you would have if you lived in Portland. Have in your front yard. They look like a, a hybrid tea rose. Nice shiny leaves, nice shiny bark. Mm-hmm. Really good looking plants. Really good looking. And we have some nice rugosas. Very pretty rugosas. The rugosas we have are Hansa, which is the double dark red that smells like cloves and cinnamon. 
Really fragrant. Gets a waist to chest high and four feet across. Nice plant. Doesn't spread. Doesn't run by the roots. Really, really nice. Okay. The hydrangea trees are gone. I'll try and get some more. You know, they all they went away real quickly. I'll try and get some more so we can have some. Well, I know you will get more. I'm not worried about it. We have some, some rhododendrons in bloom right now that are stunning. Is that a call? Yes. Good morning, Conversations. Yes. Could you talk about the pros and cons of bark mulch? Bark mulch? Yes. Sure. Thanks. Okay. So it, we use it for lots of different things. We use bark mulch as a major component in the soils we make because it gives lift and air. Okay, back up. The real deal about bark mulch is it's all about the size. Some bark is five or six inches long, great big heavy pieces of bark. But I found that those bigger pieces of bark tend to blow around in the wintertime and get blown out of your flower beds. The reason you use bark for the most part is that you're waiting for your ground cover or your low shrubbery to get to the size where you don't really need it very much except perhaps at the edges to make it look well dressed. David's talking about using bark as a component in the soil because it is yet another particle size which then helps soils lighten up and drain better than the dense fine soils that you usually find in southeast Alaska. Okay, okay, back up, back up. And what Margaret was talking about is that bark is a temporary part of the landscaping. When you do your initial planting and you have uh, the plants haven't done much growing yet, you want to have the uh, areas between them stay weed-free. And one way to do it for a little while is to put two or three inches of bark on the ground. Now, that's not going to be a permanent solution because as the bark ages it becomes the ideal medium for a seed bed and then all the seeds will grow in that but for the first couple of years it's there so your plan is to plant your landscape so it will grow together within a couple of years and you won't be able to see the ground the idea of having the plants widely spaced apart and all the area in between be bark is only asking for future problems well, it means it's going to be a high maintenance. There's no, there's no guarantee without using chemicals uh, that you won't get weed seed to germinate in a landscape that has a lot of bark. We don't use chemicals, and we don't recommend that people do. It's certainly your own personal choice. But bark was kind of designed with that in mind. You know, bark really comes from the 50s and 60s and has progressed into now as a temporary application and it looks pretty but uh, in order to not have weeds it's only a temporary application will help with that otherwise you have to get out and cultivate it all anyway because the weeds just blow in and look how big the weeds are here I mean you know they're six feet tall that's right and they're willow trees <laughs> yeah, and they're cottonwoods they're so um, I think that Fred Meyer carries a really nice quality of bark. It's the one I like because it's, uh, it's rather fine, but it's still larger than most particle sizes, and I can use it in my soil making for making my planters. You wouldn't want to use it in vegetable beds, but you would use it in perennials or shrubbery uh, when you're planting those. And uh, I don't like that great big bark that blows around in the wintertime. So that's just my personal preference. 
you'll have to think about what you like and how you like your landscape to look in order to talk about how, what kind to get. Okay, I hope that we hit w- at least one of the nails you were interested in. If not, send us an email, landscapealaska at gmail, and we'll come back to be more specific. And anybody else that wants to also. We're, we communicate on email and texts a lot. And you can use our website as an access, or you can send us an email direct. And, and I'd recommend sending it direct because things get lost. We're so busy, we have a hard time getting to our website. But we see our emails every day. Well, that's just the truth, Dave, you know? Okay. So uh, among the things that we have this springtime that are absolutely stunning that Margaret, again, just brought into the retail nursery are these beautiful red flowering rhododendrons that are in bloom right now. They are just opening up. And if you like a real rich red, you want to come and give it an eye on these because they are stunning. I have a, I, when I went to the nursery show last year, I went to our favorite rhododendron grower and he had on display there a gigantic Yaku Prince rhododendron. And I bought it mm-hmm. and brought it here. And it's in full bloom right now. If you want to see what a mature looking dwarf rhododendron looks like, your questions are, you know, I don't like those great big rhododendrons that get so big. They, they hide my house and everything and all the, the lower leaves fall away. You want to look at this one. Because this shows you what a dwarf rhododendron looks like when it's grown. So, how old do you think that rhododendron is? Oh, it's got to be 30 or 40 years old. So well, it's what, 20 anyway. What I mean is, that was the first one they had. Uh-huh. And, and those are about, that variety is about 30 or 40 years old now. Uh-huh. It's, it, anyway, it's lovely. But what I like about the dwarf rhododendrons is they keep such a neat and tidy manner. That's kind of what I was saying. You know, we're not all rhododendrons keep that formal shape. Uh, some are quite gangly, you know, and irregularly shaped. And for people who like that, it's good that we have all kinds. But when you're working in small places, you want to have things that stay small easily. Uh, and those yakus do that. They really do. And this, this is a, so it's a dwarf rhododendron that has full-size rhododendron leaves and full-size rhododendron flowers. There's lots of kinds of dwarf rhododendrons, some with little tiny leaves and little tiny flowers, and some that are, are kind of sticky and are crossed between hybrids that lose their leaves and keep their leaves. But this one just looks beautiful. Yaku Prince. So Kathy Hall was in the nursery yesterday telling me about how her climbing hydrangea is now 30 feet tall. Growing up the trunk of a their spruce, spruce tree. tree. Yes. And just, she says it grows about 10 feet a year. They're on Long Run Drive. You want to drive down Long Run Drive and look at their house. It'll be real easy to pick it out. It's the one with the hydrangeas on the tree trunks. Yeah. So if anybody's looking for a really vigorous and hardy vine, the hydrangea vine is a really cool thing. And in the wintertime, after it loses all its leaves and everything, it has this crinkly surface on it with its bark so it does it looks beautiful with snow and ice on it it looks like a bonsai in the winter time mm-hmm. and when margaret's talking about crinkly it is it looks like it's a million years old mm-hmm. and every two inches it changes direction of growth it's beautiful and yeah. they're tough and right now the buds are swelling on them just beginning to open they they look so evocative of springtime 
you're going to see they're just poised, ready to grow like mad. I've got about a half a dozen of them. If you want to see them, come and look at them, and I'll, sh I'll be glad to show them to you. We have some uh, lovely Japanese maples, too, that are just coming into leaf right now. Yeah, don't they look pretty? They really do. No, Japanese maples, and my, our beech tree just burst into leaf in one day. It was just like, I'm here. I woke up. Here are all my leaves. That whole thing of coming alive in the springtime just thrills me. Yeah. Absolutely thrills me. You know, and, and the combination of, of uh, the plants we brought in from Oregon that are in full growth and full bloom right now, contrasted with the ones that we kept over the winter that are just barely coming alive now is so cool. <laughs> Particularly those columnar apple trees. You sound like a beatnik. Everything's so cool. <laughs> so, so cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> beatnik's a little bit older than me. But oh. that's okay. <laughs> remember Maynard G. Krebs? Yeah. You probably don't. You're too young. No, I remember. Okay. So the columnar apple trees that we brought in have apples on them now already. Have do we still have some? Yeah, they've got about four Do or five. Do we have any down in Montana Creek? I'll look today. Okay. We might have some down we there. We don't have many, but we got probably four or five. But they got little apples on them already. I know. Where They're the ones that, that uh, we kept over the winter and are coming in late leaf now. They haven't flowered yet. No, the flowers are formed on them, but they're not, they're not open yet. Right. And I was looking at them yesterday, and the flower clusters have like six or eight buds opening in the same little cluster. Well, remember all the uh, apples we had to pick off those trees last year? I do, I In do. order for the, the fruit to get a decent size? That's right. Now, that particular one that I'm holding for myself, we had 50 apples on it. Okay, and you know what else I'd like to do? I'd I like have a question. <laughs> oh, stop talking, Dave? Can you quit talking <laughs> for a minute? Um... Let's talk about fertilizing lawns. All right. Okay. Now, some lawns, so I'm looking at lawns a lot because people hire me to come look at their lawn. And there are big dead patches in lawns this year which have not traditionally been there before. Do you think that's because snow got piled in those areas? And or stayed so long. And it stayed so long that, that, the, that the, the lawn that has either the least amount of drainage or is in the shadow of a building where it's colder or something like that made this area die out where this right next door is nice and green and not died out? I do think that. But, you know, sometimes that's true. Sometimes we just don't have any idea why God wills it that way. I, I, I know, Dave. <laughs> anyway, so then in those instances, you rake out all the dead grass and or thatch it out if you need to, uh, and put down fertilizer and lime in those bald areas and you want to address the rest of the lawn some of it that didn't die or wasn't damaged but still looks weak due to the long winter so so we like both the liquid feed though it's expensive and the turf builder right so when you have a dead patch you rake the dead stuff out and you and you fluff up the soil surface but but your fertilizer you put on is the same fertilizer you're putting on for the whole lawn. Right. You know, you're doing it the same dosage everywhere. And then in those areas where it's dead and you need to reseed it, once you got the surface scratched up a little bit, you put your grass seed on it, you put the the lime and you cover it up with peat moss or something to hide it from the birds and keep the so the seed moist. Yes. But the same amount of fertilizer you put on for everywhere you put on right there. 
Right, but there are times when we have used the liquid feed and you get an instant. Oh, yeah. So for commercial places that Different don't want to wait a month for everything to work, I like to use both those things. Right. I got you. I, I misunderstood your question. Yes, and the liquid feed does. It works right away. It works within a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And you can attach the little jar to your hose and spray it right out there, and it gets right into the root system right away. Right. It's also... You know, fertilizer that does that is not going to last very long. So it's going to give right. you a green up right away, but you need to have something that's going to be more persistent to keep continuously releasing. And, and that's, that's one of the reasons why you fertilize your lawn every month. Yes, and that's why it, we love Turf Builder, because it doesn't burn, and it also works quite quickly. It's just not as instant. That's right. And Turf Builder does make a, a liquid fertilizer, too. And sometimes they have it here in Juneau. Sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. But anyway, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference in the liquid fertilizer because you're looking at... Do you want me to talk about nitrogen? Okay, so lawns only need nitrogen. They don't need much phosphorus and potash. So when you look at a fertilizer and you, you're saying, shall I buy this one that says says 1600 uh, or this one that says 161616? Well, the one that says has triple 16... It's good for your regular landscape, trees and shrubs and flowers and things. But the two last 16s are wasted on a lawn. A lawn, you want everything in the first number. <coughs> so uh, just a little bit. So like a 10-2-2 would be a good lawn fertilizer. Okay, great. All right. And mow it. Part of the deal about grass is that the more you mow it, the more it grows. Right. And it gets denser and denser. And as you keep mowing the top, down there under the ground, the little roots are spreading out and they send out what are called tillers, which are little little uh, side growths that then become new grass blades. And you want to mow it at about an inch and a half, you know, this time of year. So as the, the if it's a real uh, sparse looking lawn, you may mow it at two inches just for the visual effect, but the grass height of inch and a half is really ideal for making it, it get thicker and thicker. So mow it and feed it and don't let it dry out. So uh, this time of year, this kind of weather, people should be watering their lawns. And watering I, everything. Yeah, isn't that true? We water our landscape stuff every day, you know, and, they, and we have people hired just to water it every day. But it's been so dry for so long, it's... If you let your ground dry out too much, it's hard f to get it to receive water. As funny as that sounds. Uh -huh, that's really true. Okay, I think we're coming to the end of our time here. And we're getting ready to go back to work. So uh, we have lots of work to do today. I'm going to be at the nursery. And I will be glad to see all you folks who come and see me. And uh, we do have seed potatoes. Everybody else is out. I've got seed potatoes. Okay, remember, happy gardening. Happy gardening. See you next week.